The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this week we celebrate five years of this podcast with a story from me. How about that? Guess what's happening this week? It's our five-year podcast anniversary. And it occurred to me I haven't ever given you a complete description of what body is and who I am. So this week feels like the right time to cover that territory buckle up. If you've been a listener for years, you may know bits and pieces of this story. And if you're new and have just stumbled upon us, welcome. And now I'm going to give you as much information as I can. I really hate that phrase, long story short, but it's kind of like that. My name is Dixie Delator. Once upon a time, I was a misfit from the Blue Ridge Mountains who just didn't fit in. I moved to the big city of Atlanta at 18, and that was better, but the deep south, mmm... One day I decided I needed to move to a place with way less racism. And so sight unseen, I decided to move to San Francisco. That's where our story takes off. San Francisco is one of those cities that's a magnet for people who are looking to find themselves. And my journey started by showing up at a public BDSM event. I made a lot of friends in that world, and I heard a lot of stories. Somebody there invited me to an underground sex party, and it set off this brand new trajectory for my life. I tried out everything I was offered. Swinger parties, Leatherman's discussion groups, splash parties, on-site sex parties full of costumed polyamorists, dungeons, foot worship gatherings, sex clubs, and gangbangs. That was kind of the deep end of the pool. And much more. I met people at every event and heard incredible stories. I was always more comfortable if I was helping out, so I was the front door person, the host, the volunteer wrangler, the safe sex monitor, The door had opened, and eventually I started throwing my own parties. Ask me about my sex lottery sometime. For going on 25 years now, I've been a staple of the San Francisco sex-positive scene. Those were the Wild West days of the sexual underground, and I soon found that my favorite thing was to play fairy godmother to those who were brave enough to dip their toe into this magical world. Typically, I'd see them at the front door, find them after my shift, offer to help them make their fantasies come true, but most of all, keep them safe. Remember, these were the days before hashtag me too, before conversations about boundaries and consent, and it could be dangerous to go to a sex party by yourself. Whenever someone told me they were new, I kept an eye on them, and honestly, I had no idea why I was so drawn to this world, why I needed to be at a BDSM event or sex party every weekend night, but I did. It became my life. 
And then my friend Timmy invited me to come hear him tell a story at a storytelling event. This was before I'd ever heard of The Moth, you know, the iconic personal narrative show that Body is often compared to. This week, we got a best of from The Guardian, and they referred to us as The Moth, but hot. I fell in love with storytelling that night. It was a small group of people telling their Burning Man stories, and as I listened, I squirmed in my seat. I wanted to tell a story too, but my stories were too racy for this coffee house with moms drinking tea next to their children. I wish there was a place to tell our stories without censoring them. And I thought of all the true stories that people had told me along my journey to discover what flavor of pervert I was. It took me a while to start body. I was held back by my fear of public speaking and my fear of being judged if I didn't edit myself for polite society. But my curiosity about why people choose one kink over another, why one thing resonates and another leaves you flat, that helped me get past it. And I learned that there is nothing in the world that feels better than being your true, unedited self. I needed this, and I knew that others would too. So at the beginning of 2007, I threw the first body storytelling. About 75 people showed up for a potluck around a wood stove in a Burning Man warehouse's kitchen, and we started with a sing-along. I couldn't find anyone who did dirty songs, so we sang David Bowie songs accompanied by a ukulele. I didn't really invite anyone, only sharing it with the people I knew from parties and events, but soon strangers were asking me if they could come too. Like the story you'll hear later on in this episode, I've always felt compelled to create a story. I got a few best ofs on Craigslist for my weird personal ads long before storytelling took over my life. And I'd never known why it was necessary that each date must include us both wearing brown paper bags over our heads while we had sex. Why I'd agreed to be handcuffed to the bar at Bondage A Go-Go. It all just sounded like a good story. That Burning Man story night meant that it all finally made sense. And that now I had a place to share my stories too. Body was initially a sort of open mic event. Anyone could tell. But as my love for the art of storytelling grew, I started offering to help people get better at telling their story, to coach them, and I really loved that. I shared my secret methods for crafting a story. Baldy became a curated event for many reasons, but one of the biggest ones is that I wanted it to be a place where you could hear not just shocking stories. I'd coach them on bringing out the relatable elements of their story, featuring the here's what it's really like angle and make it into a real story with a beginning, middle, and end. Give it a trajectory. And emotions. Most people don't put their emotions into their kinky stories. So I remind them that we need to know what you were scared of or excited by or turned on by, because that tells us how to feel as we listen to your story. So yeah, this was a live show first and foremost. I'd get fan mail from other cities, and I wondered how they'd heard about my little unadvertised dirty storytelling show. As time passed, I incorporated some of my other obsessions into the show. My interest in social anxiety and how to help people get past it. The tricks that I used to use at parties to get strangers to connect and make it fun and easy. These things resulted in new elements of body. Games like Bango and Sniff Test and OK Pervert. Interactive elements like the Biting Booth, Sibian Rides, Strap-On and Leather Fashion Shows, Unicorn Raffles. Every show was a new way to get people to connect and make friends. Oh, and our tagline is Body Got Me Laid, because body's me and that's something I'm really good at. So you get that too. Body the live show meant that I could let people's true stories do the heavy lifting and let hundreds of people learn and experiment safely. I'd leveled up on that fairy godmothering thing. One other thing you get at a live show, applause titties. 
I use these puppies to remind the audience that each storyteller's gift demands standing ovations and uproarious applause. I mean, I got them. Why not use my bodacious tatas for good? I'm untrained in the theater, and when I got laid off from my day job at some point, this became my full-time job, and I had to figure some stuff out. I coached each prospective storyteller for free, and sometimes that could be 15-plus hours for one 10-minute story. I lived off the ticket sales from each show. It wasn't a whole lot, but I loved it. The feedback that I got after each live show had me high on life for days. It empowered people, and the realness, the vulnerability meant that they came up to me after the show and sobbed on my shoulder and I sobbed right along with them. It expanded to Los Angeles, then Seattle. I fought podcasting in the beginning, had a false start in 2013, that's what we call episode zero, and I decided I sucked at podcasting and gave up. Then came back and tried it again five years ago. I knew that I wanted all that applause and enthusiasm from the live shows because that made it clear that these aren't secrets or confessions. Storytellers are met with a resounding hell's yeah when they tell their story. And this time, I started getting on best of lists for the podcast. I think my happiest moment was getting a best of from Oprah Magazine last year. It was inspiring that such a huge mainstream outlet could overlook our not safe for work angle and finally acknowledge that this podcast and its true stories are of value to not just perverts, but everyone. When COVID hit, it all stopped working. We pivoted to live streams. I'm told we created one of the best with exhibitionists and voyeurs and costumes and leather. The feel of an audience, the feel of a real body. 2020 was hard, but 2021 has been harder. When my partner Bent told me that he wanted to end our 12-year relationship, one of the reasons he cited was that, Dixie, your primary relationship is with body and you've chosen it over me. That stung and it eventually led to anger. This is not just my calling, it's my business. And if I were a man, a commitment to my job would be acceptable. And the feminist in me is pissed at the double standard that makes me a bad person for loving my work. I can't expect him to understand that about two years into doing this, as someone who was sexually assaulted by relatives and neighbors as a teenager, I realized that this is so much more than just a storytelling show. If we don't talk about sex, we can feel shameful and wrong and bad stuff can happen to us. I see it all the time when new people are brave enough to walk into a show without someone to hold their hand and then they wait till the very end to tell me they've dreamed of a place to talk openly. And if you could talk about the good stuff, it's so much easier to talk about the bad stuff. A podcast means you don't have to be brave enough to walk in the body. You can listen wherever you are and hear stories from people who are like you, who are not near you. I ached to know that there were others out there like me. It made me know that whatever I am, whatever you are, we're fine. You and me, we're not wrong. Body really feels like a family. And the volunteers and team members who have been part of it are why it's still alive in 2021. This podcast you're listening to would never have happened without talented podcast producers like Matthew Martyr, who helped me reboot this podcast five years ago, and Marty Garcia, who took it over three years ago and is still part of the team today. And there will be more added to that list soon. It's hard to slog along without hope. And lately, I've had this fantasy. Wouldn't it be great if COVID would calm down and we could celebrate Body's 15th anniversary in February with a big live show? And then in the spring, maybe I could take Body on tour again. I've been wanting to try RV life for a long time. I mean, I grew up in a trailer park and living in a metal box feels pretty natural to me. It's been too long since I've been able to bring the live show to other cities. 
I don't know if the pandemic will comply, but that's my secret dream. So don't tell anybody, okay? Body isn't just a podcast or a live stream or a live show. It's a love letter to the freaks out there, told through bold, irreverent, no-holds-barred stories. It would never have worked if thousands of others hadn't also known that telling your own story is the most important thing you can do while you're alive. There is nothing greater than feeling truly seen and having people meet your honesty with love and appreciation. I want everyone to have that moment. And if applause titties are how you get it, well then, I'm in. Has your sex fallen into the same old dull routine? Break those habits with a fun, sexy box of adventure from Like a Kitten. Like a Kitten will ship you a gift box with all your erotic essentials, from vibrators and handcuffs to massage oils and more. It's your one-stop shop for a perfect evening. (laughs) This month, we're helping you choose your own adventure with their BYO box, a.k.a build your own box. You get to choose one item out of each of their six categories. Toys, beauty products, lubes and cleansers, games, sexy accessories, and lingerie. For example, I chose a card game called We've Never, But We Will. A flogger with fur and leather, smitten pheromone-infused intimate shave cream, a travel-sized lube, a sexy black satin robe, and best of all, a silicone vibrator called the Pleasure Hunter with three devious-looking attachments. And the whole box only costs $69. Most of the vibrators alone retail for more than $69, so their entire box of six gifts is a steal. Right now, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash D-I-X-I-E or enter code Dixie at checkout. I put a link in this episode's description to make it easy for you. And I love that a portion of all sales go to charities that focus on women's empowerment, education, and health. So you can feel good about feeling good. So grab this deal and tell them I sent you. Just go to likeakitten.com slash Dixie or use promo code Dixie to get 20% off these incredible boxes. Wow. Well, it's time for a story. And since you know so much about this week's storyteller, I'm going to give you some backstory on how this happened. Way, way back in 2009, I got an email from Kevin Allison, You may know him from The State on MTV, and he was producing a brand new podcast called Risk. He asked me if I had audio files from body storytelling because he'd heard about me. I'd been going for a few years by then, and he really wanted to put stories like we have at Body on the Risk podcast. Well, we didn't record. We were all about confidentiality way back then, and I had to turn him down, but we began a friendship that has lasted for many, many years. In between my first visit to New York, he came to San Francisco for shows. We spent many lunches together and swapped a lot of emails. And one day back in 2014, I was driving him to the airport and I mentioned that I had an upcoming show themed trigger warning. Kevin Allison said, I wanna do trigger warning. And the first body risk collaboration was born. We've done many since then. But I believe this story is from that first collaboration show. And I believe this is the one that ended me up on the best of the Risk podcast. I love working with Risk. And they're the ones that inspired me to create this podcast. Thank you, Kevin, for showing me the way. People need these stories wherever they are. 
They can't just be part of a sexual subculture, part of the sexual underground in San Francisco. People need to hear these stories everywhere to be empowered and to realize they're not alone in their desires and in the things that make them who they are. This story is from way back in 2014, and this is me, Dixie Delator. Thank you. So I'm laying on my back in a room that is pitch dark. There's a lot of noise going on. I can hear moaning and groaning and this thumping down tempo music and the sound of people all around me. And there are people very close by in the dark. There is a mouth on one nipple, a mouth on the other nipple. Somebody's going down on me with a fervor. Someone's kissing me, and someone touches me on the shoulder and says, Hi, would it be okay if I join in on your party? And I say, Well, thank you for asking. Here's how it works. You may participate, but first you must allow me to touch your hair. (laughs) A couple weeks before that, it's a Monday morning, and I get an invite to a sex party. And that's nothing unusual. I go to lots of sex parties. This one's been forwarded on to a group that I'm in. And it is an invite to a party called Darkness Falls. Darkness Falls is a pitch dark sex party. You can't see shadows. You can't see shit. And they've created this whole website to explain it. At the top of the email is the first five couples who respond to this will win tickets to this brand new event we're throwing. And I go to the website and I look up the frequently asked questions, which is kind of like, well, how does this work in the dark? Well, you're going to crawl in because if you walk in, you're going to bonk heads real hard and fall down. (laughs) You are going to have glow-in-the-dark edges around garbage cans so you'll be able to find places to throw away your condoms. The whole room is covered in covered mattresses. And... You're going to crawl in in the dark and do whatever you want to do. This thing also says, I know this is a little edgy, so we have this stuff called sibling tape. It glows in the dark. So if you're in a family that goes to a lot of sex parties, (laughs) you want to make sure you don't have relations with your relations? (laughs) Just let us know. We'll give you some. They also say that, you know, this is, this is a lot. So if you'd like to write us and ask if somebody you particularly don't want to accidentally have sex with is in this room, just let us know and we can let you know if they bought tickets too. I figure why not? I think about it. I email and I get tickets and I say, so here's the thing. I'm fine with anonymous sex. It's my thing, actually. I love having sex with people having no idea who they are. I've never done it in a pitch dark room, but, you know, that's not the part that's the problem for me. My problem is I organize sex parties. I volunteer at sex parties, and I know all the perverts in San Francisco. And my one boundary is I don't fuck my friends. My friends are likely to be in that room. 
so do you mean it when you say I can ask you if so-and-so bought a ticket or so-and-so bought a ticket? And he's like, absolutely. I start swapping emails back and forth. I'm throwing out names. Is Jared going to be there? Is Reed going to be there? Is Allison going to be there? Nope. They haven't bought tickets. Nope. They haven't bought tickets. Eventually, I'm, I'm feeling really comfortable. This is obviously so intense pitch dark sex that my friends are even freaked out. That's perfect. <laughs> Finally, I say, is this guy named Evil Steve going to be there? And he writes back and he goes, Evil Steve will be at this party. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I was so close to going. He says, but here's the thing. Evil Steve is the only man who's going to this party who has long hair. This man goes to as many sex parties as I do, clearly, because he knows everybody who's going to be there. I'm like, well, that's good. It'll be dark. I can keep track of that. As long as I don't fuck anybody with long hair who's male, this is going to work out. I think about it for a while. I've got it in my back pocket. I might just go. I've got free tickets. Why not? A couple of weeks later, it's a Friday night. It's the night of the party. I go to an art gallery on a date with this bald man who's a late 40s pervert. He works at Industrial Light and Magic as a projectionist. I've taken him to an art gallery. We've gone to a bar. We're several drinks in. You might have noticed drinking is a theme to this sort of activity. <laughs> and after about my fifth tequila sunrise, I go, you know what? We got free tickets to a pitch dark sex party and we should go. And he's like, I wish you'd told me that before I had fucking five cocktails. My dick ain't gonna work. <laughs> I'm like, we're not actually gonna do anything. We're just gonna go and see what it's like. <laughs> so we head over. It's in an art gallery in the Mission that's been turned into a play party space. And because we've been out all evening, the party's been going for many hours. It's been happening. It's probably three hours after it starts, so the noise inside this room is thumpy and sexy and the moans and the groans. You, people walking down the street must be going, that is some good art in there. <laughs> and I walk in and... There's nobody in the dressing room. They've got those cheese cubes laid out, a couple of crackers, and then there's a dressing room, and we can see this black curtain that is the entrance to Darkness Falls. So we walk in. I strip down to garters and stockings. I've got pull my tits out of my bra. Um, put my hair up in my favorite hair clip for when I'm ready to get busy. <laughs> and my drunk ass reaches through a triple baffle of curtains the kind that lock out all the light. And I crawl into the thumping darkness. And when I'm inside, the energy in this room is overwhelming. The music, the sounds of sex that are everywhere. I put my hand out in front of me. Imagine this, close your eyes and imagine crawling into a room that has so much sex going on and you can't see one single thing. I crawl forward again, put my hand out again do this a couple times, and suddenly I notice I'm going down. I'm starting to move down an incline. Remember those four drinks I had? I kind of roll down a ramp in the dark and land in 
round, squishy things that have caught my fall and realized some brilliant motherfucker said, there's not enough going on in this room. Let's put a ball pit from Chuck E. Cheese's. I lay there drunk, giggling for a little while. Jamie, my date, falls behind me, lands in the ball pit, and that's pretty much the last I saw of him for a while. Saw of him for a while. Because there's no point in having a date at a pitch dark. There's, you can't find them, they're gone. So I write myself, I start crawling in, and I'm drinking, so I'm like, okay, things can get out of hand. This can get out of hand easy. Don't forget. Your mission tonight is not to fuck a man with long hair. (laughs) Everybody who comes up to me, they crawl up. I feel someone touch my body. And the first thing I do is I reach out. I touch their hair. Oh, my God, their hair is long. I reach up underneath, and they've got boobs. Okay, it's not Evil Steve. (laughs) And then because I'm Southern and that seems incredibly rude, I just kind of go along my way and give them a little pat on the ass like, thank you. I do this to everybody I encounter. I'm just like, Pat, wait, thank you. (laughs) And eventually, I have no idea where I am. I have no idea of what this room is shaped like, but I end up somewhere, and mouths are on me, and mouths are on my nipples, and people are touching me. I've checked out all these heads very thoroughly. I know who these people are. There's a woman on one breast, there's a man on one breast, there's a man kissing me, and I realize somehow we've achieved gender balance in a pitch dark sex party. <laughs> you can't do that shit in, with the lights on. I was just very impressed. <laughs> the person going down on me is really good at what they're doing, and pretty soon I have a screaming orgasm, and then I'm pretty much done for a little while. And so I crawl off, give everybody a little pat on the butt, thank you. <laughs> I crawl through, I touch a few people, and eventually I think I need a moment to recoup. So I find a wall, and I lean up against it, and I'm right next to one of those glow-in-the-dark garbage cans with all the condoms in it. (laughs) Doesn't light shit up. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there listening to the noise and the music and the moans, and I'm just like, this is a crazy idea somebody had. I think I like it. And eventually somebody crawls up. They touch my toe. They come up a little closer. and They get up to me, and I check out their head. And they have the craziest hair I've ever felt. It is like standing stock up off their head, kind of crazy thatch of coarse hair. And I'm kind of like, I thought I knew most of the people who do this kind of stuff. But I have no idea who this person is. And I am fascinated by their hair. I reach down a little further. There's a hard cock. Not evil Steve. I already knew that. But (laughs) So we start kissing. And he reaches down. He starts sucking on my tit and plays with me. And then he moves away. And when you're done with somebody at a pitch dark sex party, you move back one inch and you're gone. (laughs) Comes back a little bit later, and there's this tease. Every time he comes back, he does a little bit more. Eventually, he's down in my nether regions going to town, and I'm just like, who the fuck? I've got my hands in his hair while he's doing it. Who is this? (laughs) This is 
crazy. <laughs> Climbs up on top of me, starts dry humping me. We're making out like crazy. And all of a sudden, I feel the air next to my ear get warmer. And I realize somebody's face is right there. And I hear my date Jamie whisper in my ear. And he says, hey, I have to leave. <laughs> not cool he's like I have to leave and I'm gonna call you at like eight o'clock in the morning we're gonna talk about all of this but I want you to know something you are in very good hands right now and I'm like what what do you I don't know what that means and he goes I'm gonna say it again you are in very good hands right now and I'm like okay the person on top of me has moved their head out of the way to be polite. <laughs> I kiss my date goodbye. He disappears, which, you know, it's right away because it's dark. <laughs> and the person on top of me is just kissing and grinding. He's clearly heard the conversation. <laughs> and if, after a few minutes, he says, so should I go get a condom? And I'm like, well, apparently my date thinks I should fuck you, so let's do it. <laughs> Goes away comes back. I hear a condom wrapper tearing open. He puts it on his hard cock and he slides inside me and imagine all your senses are just gone except feeling. Sound is pretty overtaking by all the noise, but feeling. And he slides inside me and it feels fantastic. I, I'm just shocked. I'm shocked at all of this. And shock's a great way to make yourself come pretty fast, but <laughs> I don't get a chance because less than 30 seconds later, he comes and collapses on top of me. <laughs> and he starts giggling and he says, I'm really sorry. <sighs> this is a lot. <laughs> I'm like, right? <laughs> He's like, I didn't mean to come that fast. I'm sorry. And I'm like... You know what, it's kind of a flattering thing. Thank you. <laughs> he kisses me, he wanders off and disappears and I'm sitting in, there in the dark, just sitting on my little mattress that feels like it's kind of a way I haven't been touched in a while and I'm like, I just fucked somebody and I don't have any fucking idea who it was. <laughs> that could be anybody. I'm really, I like anonymous sex, but I'm, shocked at myself <laughs> so I just kind of curl up in a little ball and I'm like if I were to run into them right now it might be awkward so I'm just gonna sit here for a little while I'm gonna wait for the party to die down so that I don't run into them again because I just had sex with them this is regular party etiquette this is not darkness falls etiquette I'm just like I'm just gonna wait so that it's you know so I sit there in the dark, listen to the thumps and the groans, and the moans, and I'm like, wow, there is a lot of sex going on in this room. I'm going to wait till it thins out a little bit. About a half an hour later, I realize there is no party that can thin out because the brilliant motherfucker who put the sexy down tempo music on had also layered a soundtrack underneath it that was the moans and groans of hundreds of people. Could have been 300 people in that room, could have been 10 people in that room. 
And I'm feeling like, wow, took you a little while to figure that one out. <laughs> so I get on my hands and knees and I start crawling back out tonight. There's no way to find an exit sign. There's no way to tell where I'm going. Takes me a while to get out of that room. And when I finally get to that triple baffled curtain and find it with my hand and move it aside and come back into that dressing room, there's a little step there and I fall down that too. And I land at the feet of two couples who are getting dressed. And I look at the male part of the first couple and he's bald, he's got a little goatee. I did not fuck that man. I look at the other couple, she's got this beautiful dark bob, and next to her is a blonde-eyed man with a shock of brilliant blonde hair that shoots off in every direction, and I'm like, fuck, I didn't do that very well, did I? <laughs> but I did fuck a very attractive person. <laughs> and put my clothes on, I get out of there really quick, catch cab home, I arrive home, and when I do, I realize that my favorite metal hair clip the one that I always use at sex parties is missing. I've left it in the dark. So I write my friend on email, and I'm just like, thanks for all your help. I went to your party tonight. Wow, that was some fucked up brilliance. <laughs> and um, I left my favorite metal hair clip up. I call it my shiv, because it's kind of sharp, and I can pull it out just in case, you know? And I really like that thing. So if you find it when you're cleaning up, could you keep it for me? And he's clearly on email too because he writes right back and he says, oh, we found it when we were cleaning up. We will save it for you. And I just want to say, I had so much fun with you tonight. That was incredible. <laughs> I'd fuck the producer. <laughs> next morning at 8 a.m. my date Jamie calls me and he says hey how'd you how'd your night go and I'm like I had sex with somebody in the dark and I don't know who it was actually I do know who it was but I didn't at the time and he says yeah and I'm like what did that mean that whole you're in really good hands like I don't know what you were trying to say and he goes so you know how I work at Industrial Light and Magic as a projectionist, I can see in pitch dark. I could see everything that was going on. And that man on top of you was a rare opportunity and I did not want you to miss it. <laughs> Thank you.
one cannot judge what the eye cannot see outside the realm of humanity embrace your fear don't dare to run only then will you be what you're meant to become song was Turn Off the Light by Kim Petrus and featuring Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Well, I wouldn't be here to celebrate five years of this podcast without Patreon. For years, I struggled to find a way to build a community beyond the live shows I'd been doing for a decade. Someplace that wasn't restricted to what social media allowed, and that allowed me to share the challenges and rewards of growth with the people who were making it possible. A place where creators are powered by people like you, who love body and want to see it continue. Then I learned about Patreon and how they work. It's a membership model, and that means I can get to really know my community, bounce new ideas off them, ask them for advice, and involve them in my journey. And that means that body becomes what you want, not just what I want. But I'll be honest with you, Patreon support started declining several months ago. My guess is that people believed we were on the other side of the pandemic. Remember at the start of the summer when we thought we'd made it through the woods? Well, we're not there yet. So go to patreon.com body and become a member now. You'll not only have my eternal thanks, you'll get rewards like free live stream tickets, ad-free podcast episodes, storytelling tips and tricks, storytelling open mics where you can give this thing a try yourself, and more. Stories change lives, and our next story might just change yours. Help me continue to make the world a kinder, more accepting place to be yourself. Join me on Patreon by becoming a member today. There's a link in the show notes, and thanks. That's our time for this week. But before I go, I want to say thank you to the team that made this podcast possible. Thank you to David Grossoff, Joe Moore, Mosa Maxwell-Smith, Donal Mooney, and podcast producer Marty Garcia. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Della Tour. This has been episode 196 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>